Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. Hey, what the actual fuckers? Stay tuned to the end of the episode for a very exclusive clip of the This Country book read by Kerry and Curtin. I'm Martin McClue. What the actual fuck? Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. <laughs> Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country Podcast. Now, first, he's a man who not only believes in Civil War cavalier ghosts and malevolent crows, <laughs> but he also believes in Santa and pissed-off turkeys. His pigs are in the blankets, and he's just waiting for that jolly old man to empty his sack down his chimney. The white Jeff from number 22 does that every year. God only knows. <laughs> it's Neil! <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for that. Is yeah, that good all old, true? Good old Jeff. Well, the, there, is a, there is a lie in that one. I, I don't believe in ghosts. Oh. So that's the only lie. I believe in Santa and everything like that, but ghosts. And you look forward to Jeff every year. Well, sometimes it's Jeff, sometimes it's Simon. Who knows? (laughs) Oh, what a street you live in. Yeah. (laughs) Now, our special Christmas Superfan episode guest is a comedian, broadcaster, actress, and the final part in our Fingers on Buzzers trilogy. It's (laughs) time to get all festive with our very own Christmas cracker. Could I be any more partridge? It's Lucy Porter! (laughs) Hey! Ho, ho, ho! (laughs) Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas indeed. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be the final piece in your Christmas jigsaw. Well, uh... you know what? We never thought, I mean, for a start, we never thought we'd get to chat to to Jenny Ryan and uh, we yes. probably wouldn't be able to now after her X Factor exploits that she's now Oh uh... she's, there's no talking to her now. She's not she's not spoken to me for weeks. <laughs> I was going to say has she changed? No, oh, do you know what? It was it's been the most amazing thing. So we me and Amanda went down to watched the X Factor Celebrity, which Jenny came, uh, did, she was in the bloody final, which yeah. was amazing. And then um, it was like nothing else. You know, I've been in showbiz now for uh, over 20 years, but I've never seen anything like the X Factor because it's proper like celebrity and Simon Cowell's there being all weird. And it's all like, <laughs> it's just, it's such a different world. It's not like, you know, the kind of celebrity and showbiz I've experienced is very much, you know, 
Radio 4, maybe BBC 2, you know, but ITV is a whole different world. That's proper. That is proper fame. So did you get to meet Simon Cowell? Did you say hello to him? No. Oh, my God, no. He just sort of he swishes by and Nicole Skirtsinger just sort of wafts by looking amazing and then Louis scuttles by like a tiny leprechaun. <laughs> and, um, and they all have some sort of super VIP area that they go to and then um you know the normal mortals are somewhere else but um but no, it was amazing and jenny had such a great time and she was so brilliant and yeah it was it was really great but it was really bizarre is it something you would like to do though lucy would you would Not you have a go in a million bloody years <laughs> i cannot sing i've got no sense of rhythm i cannot hold a note in a bucket and, um, Hang on a kids... minute. I, I have to. I have to take umbrage to that because you oh. listen to the Fingers on Buzzers podcast. You <laughs> sing a tune every so often, and you don't sound too bad. So I'm not having well, that that you say that you. say that you can't sing a note because you do. do you know what? That's very kind of you, Pavo. I think I've been so ground down by my kids because they. Um, <laughs> I was singing. What was I singing the other day? I was singing "Puppet on a String" by Sandy Shaw, the great UK Eurovision winner, um, in the car, and my daughter said. Please stop, Mum. It's giving me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> it's making me feel a bit sick. So, uh, uh, but yeah. I think that's another thing with kids, isn't it? Because the kid, you, I, I had one of my daughters tell me a couple of weeks ago, is that Dad, you're not funny. Yeah. Now, I'm sure. I think other people think I can be funny, but when your kids say that, you think I think it's a different. Th- there's a different whole qualifying thing with your kids. You're not yeah. cool in your kids' eyes, are you? Oh, God, no. Well, in fact, let's get straight into a This Country reference. Um, It's uh, being in the car with David Gray on, and I'm very much the vicar singing along, and my children are Kerry. Yeah. Just not wanting to hear it. (laughs) They've got their own stuff going on, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, there's no... I I do think very much they see me as Kerry and Kurt and see the vicar, Mm. a sort of benign presence, but a massive irritation. Yeah. So when did you uh, first discover this country then, Lucy? Um, Well, it was my husband who introduced me to it really early on because someone um, had got wind of it. So my husband, Justin Edwards, is a comedy actor and, you know, comedy acting is a tiny village. They all know each other. Mm. And I think it might have been might have been Paul or I don't know who it was. But anyway, somebody had said, you've got to watch this thing. It's amazing. And of course, Justin is a country boy, and he was well. He was born born in um, Hampshire, grew up in Hampshire. But um, I think you know he he feels country life is very much the same wherever you go, and so he immediately just loved it. And initially, he said, "You've got to watch it." Um, and I was, I dislike and mistrust the countryside. I'll be honest with you. I grew up in suburban London, and uh, what is it I'm, about? the country that you don't trust oh right really scared because i didn't you know when you've not grown up like driving on country roads um walking down country lanes at night like he still really laughs at me because we go back to where his 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 from where his his in-laws where my in-laws are and um he like at night we'll be walking back from the pub or something and i'm constantly on a state of high alert because the noises and the dark like proper dark I'd not seen proper dark like that until I was like a grown-up because when I was a kid there were always street lights and you were always somewhere near you know you could always get some fried chicken at any time of the day or night (laughs) you know and I found it really um yeah I do I just still find it really scary so I thought oh it's 
you know, it's not going to be for me. It's always for these country folk. And um, of course, then I watched it and realised that uh, it's just amazing and it's brilliant. And actually, I do love the country. Mm. It's made me uh, sort of confront my fear and loathing of the countryside. So as somebody that that obviously writes comedy... When you watch something like that, do you have maybe the first time or second time you watch it, do you start dissecting the comedy to see why you find it funny or do you can can you just enjoy a comedy show? Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm not an overthinker. (laughs) So I just a nice way of putting, you know, uh, putting it. But no, I don't. um, I, I always just watch for enjoyment and then afterwards it kind of hits you how amazingly clever it is and what an amazing because like with the first series I watched it all really really quickly so I basically did it in about two and a half sittings I think right um and so it it just sort of I just went wow this is amazing and then it kind of hit me that um you know the story arc and the character development and the you know what emotional journey I'd been on and how I felt about everything um, that all sort of hit me later. And then, of course, the I think what does immediately strike you, though, is the turn of phrase and the amazing language of it and how densely written it is, even though it all seems so off the cuff and improvised. And I'm sure, mm. you know, I'm sure a lot of it is kind of made up in the moment. But like there's so many amazing speeches and uh, sort of philosophical moments in it. And so, yeah, it kind of all it. it Sort of the the more I thought about it, the more I started thinking about that. And then, in fact, I went and rewatched it again. And then, when I knew I was talking to you today, I went and watched it again, and just found loads of other stuff that I had sort of forgotten about. In fact, and then ended up I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone, and we ended up having a massive row with one of my friends because. Um, I said oh, I'm doing this thing, and blah, blah, blah. Um, this you know I'm doing the wonderful. Uh, what the actual fuck podcast and he was like oh you know <laughs> love um and um and we uh anyway we ended up having a row because i was talking about martin and he said oh yeah martin and i said yeah he's like a monster and my mate went oh yeah yeah but he's you know you've got to love him haven't you and i was like no no you don't know he's actually the most evil character i've ever seen on television like i think he's brilliant i think he's amazing mm. And my mate was like, no, but I mean, he's a lovable rogue. And I was like, no, he's not. No, there's not. There's nothing lovable. And we had this massive row <laughs> and, a, and a sort of big discussion about whether you can find someone funny and absolutely hateful at the same time. Mm. And he felt you couldn't. He was like, well, you must have some affection for him if you're laughing at him. And I was like, no, I, he's funny, but he's also the worst human being in the world. As we've said before, he's a shithouse. That's what he is. He, he is that, a shithouse. He is an absolute shithouse. And we've told him that to his face. <laughs> yeah. We've told him yeah. that to his face. But, and he takes Good it, but he, uh, it, there's, there isn't anybody that has a complete 180 from his character more than Martin yeah. Mucklow, because Paul is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful person. He certainly is. He's I'm certainly glad you say that. Yeah. So, Lucy, did you, um, you said you grew up in the city. Did you find parallels watching it from when you were younger in the city, even though that this country is based in the country. Did you yeah. did you see any? Because we've spoken to people before, and they have. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's got that thing that all great comedy has, where it is universal. Like my favourite show when I was a kid was Porridge, 
and I'd never been to prison. I mean, at that stage, obviously now I've done time, <laughs> and stuff, but you know, at that time it was a, it was a world that was unknown to me. You are and... talking from your cell as we speak. We are your one fan. <laughs> <Yeah. call. laughs> I'm making it look cosy, but actually, uh, you're on a yeah. bunk bed, aren't you? There's somebody underneath trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shanked them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh good. Yeah, That's like, right. That word? Shank? I, don't know. I think it's something um, like that. I think. But uh, yeah, no, I think that yeah, of course, all the universals that I'm sure everyone says, you know, like being skin and being bored, and I mean, I never had a brother or even like a male cousin that I was close to. So there is there's loads of stuff about it that is nothing like my experience. And like my sister was much older than me and I never had any family really nearby I was effectively like an only child but there's still sort of so much that does resonate but then I always think that you don't you know I don't need to identify with comedy to find it funny either I think there's a bit of a um you know particularly when you talk to commissioning people in telly and they go well it's got to be relatable that people have got to understand where it's coming from and you know be able to sort of understand the world and I'm like well not really you know it's nice to see something that's completely outside of your experience but yeah it is there's so much that is universal about it but then there's so much that I find really interesting because it is completely like I've never had a relationship with a sibling like that and I find it really fascinating I mean or cousin in you know close male relative um cousin in the fiction and, and brother in the reality so yeah i find it really interesting is i tell you what i didn't i haven't listened to amanda or jenny's episode of your podcast deliberately right because i thought i'll make it a bit like mr and mrs where <laughs> you know we'll see if if what we feel matches up because i know like amanda we did we have sort of in the past discussed it and she because she grew up in the countryside mm she's got like a massive thing of like this is exactly what it's like growing up in the countryside and so I suppose yeah I don't kind of go this is exactly what it was like when I was in my early 20s because I was in well Manchester and very urban again and it was a sort of different but but yeah but then you do meet you know loads of the characters actually I can really relate to like Mandy absolutely one of my faves and they used to be a woman who um lived down the road we we lived in this massive shared house in manchester me and uh six other people and it was a real shit heap it was awful but you know we we were having a great time and there was a woman who lived down the road there and she was i mean at the time i thought she was ancient but she was probably only about 35 but she used to just come round, and because because it was such a big sort of shared house there were a few people who felt oh we can just come in and just sit down because there was always people coming and going and there was a woman who was really like Mandy who used to just come in and sit and watch uh this will tell you how old I am it was Neighbours <laughs> when we used to do that thing where you'd get up and you'd watch Neighbours at lunchtime and she used to come and sit and watch Neighbours with us and then she would stay and she'd still be there when the next Neighbours was on at tea time <laughs> and that was always we were like oh god she's still bloody here um, and she'd just sort of get really stoned and just stay in our stay in our house all the time. But she was sort of slightly, slightly menacing in that way that Mandy is as well. And nobody would say anything to her to tell her to go no. or anything. No, <laughs> no, because well, she was because we were all stu- sort of ex students, so we'd all sort of gone to university in Manchester and then stayed. So we were most of us were southerners, and then there was a, you know one girl who was from Northern Ireland. But so because she was local. 
and that felt like because in Manchester there was this real thing of like the locals and the students there's real sort of aggravation between them and we always felt like sort of middle class pompses mm-hmm. who were just sort of in their town so we always felt like oh god well you couldn't ask her to go because she's like a local who's gracing us with her presence and uh, so yeah there was yeah and I think she also had connections to a weed dealer or something there was some <laughs> other thing going on that I wasn't aware of. Uh, so we will come back to this country a little bit later, but I, I wanted to find out why you came, went into comedy in the first place. What was the draw for you to start comedy? Um, well, I, you know, I always really loved comedy from being a very small child because my mum and dad were really into it and they used to, like Dave Allen was their favourite. Um, and we used to watch a lot of Dave Allen, Billy Connolly whenever he was on um, and uh, the two Ronnies and then all the sort of porridge all the Roddy Barker stuff um my dad really liked so I was sort of brought up with all of that stuff and then got into watching comedy when I was a teenager so I got into indie music and comedy because it was that kind of time in the 90s where sort of comedy was becoming it was sharing spaces with indie venues even Mm. though it wasn't massive then Mm. so I used to go and see people like Sean Hughes and Jeremy Hardy and Jack D and um, then I was in Manchester and I went to university and then there was a big comedy scene with people like um, what Peter Kay started when I started and Johnny Vegas and Chris Addison. So there were sort of loads of young comics around. And then there was the sort of the senior generation, which was um, Carolina Hearn and Steve Coogan and Henry Norman. And they were all doing really brilliant comedy. And we'd go and watch them. There was a venue called Band on the Wall which was a world music venue, but on Sunday nights they used to do a kind of new material comedy night. And so Steve Coogan and Carolina Hearn and people used to go down there and John Thompson. And so you, I'd go and watch that and get sort of really inspired. And then I went to work for Carolina Hearn at Granada TV on the Mrs. Merton show, her chat show. And I sort of expressed that I was sort of starting trying to do some comedy and I kind of quite fancied it and she was amazing like she was really encouraging and Craig Cash who she was writing with was really lovely and uh, in fact I found a little card they'd sent me the other day because I entered the um, Manchester Comedian of the Year competition didn't win because Addison won bastard but um, <laughs> but they sent me this little card to say good luck and I found that the other day and so so mm. yeah so I sort of thought well I'll give it a try because I really wanted to be a comedy writer but it was then as now, I think, quite hard to get your writing scene. If you're if you're not a writer performer, it's really difficult because people say, Well, what have you done? Mm. And so stand up was just a way for me to go, look, what I write is funny because look, people are laughing at it. But then I started enjoying it so much in its own right that I kind of forgot about wanting to be a writer. Right. <laughs> and right. Just, loving doing stand-up so how would you start by writing your routine when you first when you first started out well I um basically just used to um I mean I stole a lot of stuff from Ronnie Corbett that was uh <laughs> that was an early thing before I knew you weren't meant to I was like oh well I'm sure and Ronnie Corbett had loads of jokes about being short right and then I sort of saw more comedy and realized no you don't you can't steal it you've got to actually write it um and so I yeah I mean it's with stand-up you just have to get together sort of five minutes of really good stuff and it was all just about being a Ponzi student in Manchester and how much everyone hated us because that was true and also you had to if you were going on in Manchester 
and you were clearly a 24-year-old woman from London, you kind of had to address all of those things before you started because you would otherwise get quite a lot of crap for being young and southern and a woman and so a lot of it was kind of self-defense stuff really that I just would I would talk about stuff before I got heckled about it um and then I sort of found stuff that I wanted to talk about and you know it did took ages to really work out what I was all about in fact I'm not sure that I'm even still there now I still sometimes <laughs> go what's the point of all this exactly I don't know <laughs> Um, but at least now it's mostly just to have a moan. Now it's just that I want to get out of the house, get away from the family, you know, have a drink and tell people uh, the worst bits about my life. <laughs> so can you remember your very first gig? I do, I do. Did it, Not, did it go I, well? or It did, it did. I don't remember all of the stage time because that was a bit of a blur, but I remember the bit before and after. So um, I was in Chester at a club called Alexander's, which was a jazz bar. And I'd gone there because I knew loads of people on the comedy scene in Manchester and I didn't want to do my first gig in front of them. So um, I went to, you know, a little way out of town, got the train down to Chester, did this gig. And it was a night, it was run by these guys, the Comedy Police, who were a double act who would dress up as policemen. And then um, it was kind of a gong show, basically. So if you went on and the audience didn't like you, then the audience would go, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and the comedy police would come on with rubber truncheons oh and dear beat you off oh, uh, okay <laughs> that kind of club um, is it <laughs> yeah, yeah um but uh i didn't i didn't get rubber truncheoned off i was allowed to stay and did like you know five minutes of whatever crap it was and then um you know, then they said, oh, yeah, do you want to come back and do a paid gig? Or not, not a paid gig, but I think, do you want to come back and do a longer slot? And then I started just kind of going around and doing doing gigs around Manchester, really. That was it. And there was only a few clubs kind of in the northwest then. So it was the Problem Bucket in Manchester and the Buzz Club and all these old sort of legendary venues. Um, yeah, then that was it, really. Wow. So when you when you start when your your profile starts to get bigger and bigger and you're doing sort of national tours and and things like that is that when things like Radio Four and things like that start calling or or do you go looking for those kind of gigs or jobs? Um, well, with me, it was mainly Edinburgh doing the Edinburgh Festival because that used to be I don't think it is so much now, but it used to be that's where you went to get like Radio Four to come and see you and TV people. And so I went in, I can't remember what year it was now, but I had to, it, it, it was really expensive. So I was going to have to find, I think it was about £3,000 up front, which I really didn't have. So I got, I basically took out loads of credit cards. It was a time where you could get, <laughs> like, they would give ridiculous credit to comedians. So I got an egg card and um, put like £1,000 on that and then got another card and put £1,000 on that. And then it, you know, and then my sister, bless her, she lent me a couple of hundred quid um, and then got the money together to put the show up in Edinburgh and it sort of went well. And then, yeah, it just all started to happen. But it was it was kind of easy about then. I think if you're a young comic now, then, it you know, there's a lot fewer gigs that pay money. And Edinburgh isn't really somewhere where you can get discovered unless you've got like a load of money for PR people. Mm. and so it's really difficult now. But, yeah, I was kind of lucky the time I did it. It was sort of quite it was quite easy. And then I got an agent who 
I have been with since that time, the lovely Debbie Allen. I'll name check her, who is sick of me. It's like a marriage. We've been married for <laughs> 20, 20 or whatever years. Um, well, it is. It's, it's over 20 years now that we've been together. But she was brilliant and remains brilliant. And so, um, yeah, so she just got me loads of work. And again, it just sort of all feels like it was much easier because nowadays as well, like it's much harder to get an agent because there's so many comics, but yeah. I was, I just kind of lucked into Debbie and she was only, she's only a couple of years older than me. So we were both sort of young kids together, not really giving a shit and just having a laugh and getting <laughs> yeah. drunk and, you know, getting off with boys. It was all really <laughs> exciting. And um, yeah, so it was a really good laugh. And we just used to go to Edinburgh and it was like just a month long party because you just do like an hour show every night. And then the rest of the time you just go and see other people and everyone hangs out and it's like a sort of big holiday camp for comedians. And um, so, yeah, so that was really, it was, and it was much less business-like in the olden days as well. Like I think now you have to be sort of sober and on time and fully dressed. And um, <laughs> that was never, you know, that was never a problem in that no one was ever fully together in the uh, in the early 2000s. I, I have to ask, Lucy, when you write your material now then, how much of it is actually scripted to how much is improvised? Probably about, like, the raw stats are probably about 80% scripted and then about 20% improvised. So it's, um, you know, a basic framework. Also, my memory is getting so much worse, and I'm <laughs> only 46, but that, to me... You know, in comedian years, that's about 150 now. And, um, and I, yeah, I find it much harder to, I used to just go on with like three bullet points for an hour. So I'd go, you know, uh, tissues, water bottles, mugs, she says, seeing the three things that are closest <laughs> to her. Um, and, um, and then, you know, that would be it. And I'd just chat for an hour. Whereas now I do need a little bit more of a, uh, a little bit more of an extensive list. But I still like bullet points because it makes me feel like I'm in an indie band, which is really what should have happened <laughs> is I should be, uh, you know, it's like a set list rather than a script. And I always think some comedians are more like actors and some comedians are more like um, shambling, faded rock stars. And I'm definitely, I'm more like, I don't know. I'm trying to think who it would be. Someone who was in like um, Pop Will Eat Itself or um, some kind of <laughs> band of the 90s who's now just a little bit addled by all the uh, the high living they did back in the day. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I quite like going on with a set list and making myself feel rock and roll. Right. Now, you're, obviously your obsession with quizzing and quizzes um, yeah. led to fingers on buzzers which as this will be the third time we've said that if you haven't listened to that podcast you <laughs> absolutely should um, well you'll have to come on ours now because i mean really we cannot uh fail to have you on now that you've had all three i mean I, I feel like we should take the match ball home because we've done the hat trick <laughs> <laughs> well, um, do you know what we're doing live um shows next year i was so just about to mention that love to well maybe we could come to Sirencester. <gasps> that would be awesome. Oh my goodness. That would that be, be awesome. awesome. I'm not sure that I've ever actually played Sirencester. I mean I've done Gloucester a lot and I've done you know I've And you're around. you're in Swindon on March the seventh, I believe. I am. I oh god, I've done the Swindon Arts Centre more times than I mean, it's getting ridiculous now. I I feel like I should have my own special cupboard in the kitchen because <laughs> I, I have to take my own herbal teas every time I go and I feel like well you know you should just leave me a cupboard so I can have my herbal teas and my biscuits and just uh, pick up where we left off 
Well, Sarasesta so, would absolutely welcome you, and I'm sure there are there are plenty of dump gang members, uh, this country fans that would would yeah, yeah, yeah. pile in and come and see you and Jenny yeah. and Amanda, and we'd love to. Obviously, we'd. Well, we'd, we could join forces and do a um, a special this country themed oh, quiz. Wouldn't that be amazing? Have you done a quiz at your? You do. I've done live I I've got like 400 this country questions because we last year we did a fan of the year quiz, so I uh, compiled. I went through it the, the whole series 10 seconds at a time trying to get as many questions as possible oh um, my god amazing yeah so but we 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 just literally done a live show um we did uh but it's, it's not obviously a quiz but we did we've done three now three, we have done three, three now, live yeah. shows where we have a few members of uh, of the cast there and we just faff about on stage and mess about it's a it's loads of fun to do the live show so so i was going to ask apart from um the live show which i will go b- back to in a second which quiz show is it? Pointless is the one that you are itching to get on. Is that the one that you? That's your holy grail. Well, pointless, I've done. Oh right, twice. okay. Um, and but I am itching to get on it a third time because the first time I did it, Ed Byrne let me down. The second time I did it, Rob Deering let me down. <laughs> and I'm just looking to see which man is going to disappoint me next. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, but it was. I mean, I, I feel, yeah. It only Connect, isn't it? Only Connect is the one that you... Oh, Only Connect is the one I'm desperate to get on, yeah. That's the one. And I mean, shamelessly. And they're doing a new series. And, I mean, if there is ever a celebrity special and I don't get to do it, then Be I'm sacrilege. probably... Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I may turn up... Uh, at the venue anyway. <laughs> I just say, no, I got booked, sorry. I don't know, I don't know, there must have been some mix-up, but I'm definitely on the show. So uh, the problem is I need to, now my career is all about doing enough comedy and trying to keep my profile high enough through comedy that I get invited to do the celebrity versions of quizzes. Right. Because the problem is I'm sort of, a little bit this is going to sound arrogant but i'm going to go ahead anyway i'm a bit too famous to do the normal version of a quiz right but I, but i'm not quite famous enough always to get on the celebrity version <laughs> <laughs> so i sort of need to boost i think i can only go up because yeah. it would be a bit tragic if i then just start if i just accepted it and started just doing the normal versions because then people would go but isn't she like a comedian and then I, I sort of feel like it would be a slightly retrograde step. So, to, so which um, just run through which which celebrity <laughs> versions of of quizzes have you done? So I've done pointless twice. Okay. I've done the face twice. In fact, um, I think I'm probably allowed to say now that I'm on the chase on Christmas Day. Way. Yeah. Um, and I've done fifteen to one. Done celebrity mastermind. Did win that one. I don't like to talk about it, but since you are. <laughs> I did get a higher score. Richard Herring really hates it because I always say I got the highest score of all time. But I only got the highest score before they changed the rules. They changed the timing. So it's it, it basically, now they've changed it, I will always have got the highest score under the old rules. So I can, you know, I can cling on to that. And Richard Herring's furious about that. Um, um, Lucy, what, what was your specialist subject on that? Mastermind, I did um, Steve Martin, The Life and Work oh, of Steve Martin. Nice. Gorgeous. Nice. Lay in bed for two days before the show, watching all his movies, and because he's a notoriously private person, he's. A, this is my tip: anyone's going on Mastermind, choose someone who's very private, because then you don't have to 
know so much about their life because he's written an autobiography mm. but there's not much else out there about him because he never does interviews and he's not in the tabloids and all of that so the next one I'm going to do if I get invited again which I hope I will is Bill Murray because Bill Murray very similar real joy to watch everything he's ever done but he doesn't really do much as himself no so you know you, you would just have to watch his work that would be it that's a great idea. Great idea. So is there any, apart from um, Only Connect, is there any quiz programme, say, from yesteryear that that you would have loved to have been on? I would have loved to have done Bullseye because I just think it's one of the finest programmes. And I watch it all the time on Challenge. As the darts player or as the quizzer? Um, I would <laughs> try my hand at either. Okay. <laughs> so what I would have done is I would have got Tim Vine to be the darts player. Right. Because he's amazing. And then I would have been the quizzer. So if it ever does come back, then I've got Tim's card marked that, you know, I want him to be my my darts player. Um, but, yeah, Bullseye, I really liked, I mean, almost everything that Paul Daniels ever did. Yeah. So Wipeout was a brilliant quiz. I would have loved to have done that one. Every Second Counts. Um, yeah, I loved Every Second Counts. I mean, I like anything with the time pressure, I'd, I'd just enjoy. Um, I really, I mean, game shows I love as well. We don't really talk about them so much. We're more quiz than yeah. game show, but there's loads of game shows. I would I'd love to have done Family Fortunes. Um, and I mean, but they do come back every now and then, don't they? They do. They yeah. certainly do. Yeah. So the other question would be then, if they brought, if they said to you, Lucy, you can choose whichever yesteryear quiz we're going to bring back and you're going to host, what oh. would that be? Oh, let's see now. Three, two, one. Um, <laughs> Three, two, one. Three, two, one. That's a great idea. Yeah, I you could actually make it so people knew what it was about. Yeah. Well, I, you could you could make it a bit more quizzy. Yeah. Um, but I think you'd keep the cryptic clues because they are the most amazing poems of kind of dense, complete incomprehensibility. I love I love those and the acting. Oh, everything about 321 is so good. You're absolutely right. You've mm. just given me a lovely warm... <laughs> <laughs> well, 3-2-1 was one of the only shows I can remember that never had canned laughter because sometimes jokes would just die on yeah. <laughs> live on the TV. Can you remember? Yeah. Like, yeah. Carolyn yeah. Monroe would come in and say the punchline to a joke and there would be no laughing whatsoever and they'd That's just right. have to move on. And you'd oh, think, gonna... oh, my God, it's a car crash TV sometimes. Well, because it really worked for our younger listeners. Um, oh, yes, indeed. The, uh, the, because, yeah, when they used to get people to come on and do these sketches, didn't they? That's right. That were like, would would give you the basis for a clue. But it, it it's like, I've got lots of friends um, who've written for award ceremonies. And the worst thing, in fact, I've done it. You, you, when you write for celebrities who aren't comedians and you give them jokes to say, and they completely screw them up. The legendary one was, oh, God, I can't remember which celebrity it was. But one of my friends was writing for an award ceremony and gave them this joke about the Spice Girls, who were very popular at the time. And it was, um, oh, God. I, it was, anyway, it was something like, I hear Chris Evans is having a baby. Soon he's hoping to have a sporty, a posh, a spice, and a whatever the other one was, a scary. Yeah. Um, but the whoever the celebrity was they gave it to said it like, I hear Chris Evans is having a baby and he's hoping soon to have a posh, scary. And they were like, no, 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 you, you've got to leave a pause after like baby because it's like he's having a baby and people think, oh, he's having a baby, but it's actually yeah. having it. And yeah. explained the whole <laughs> yeah, numerous times. 
And then the celeb went out and, of course, did it exactly the way that they'd done it in rehearsals. He's having a baby and I see he's having... (laughs) (laughs) So, so dispiriting when you give a joke to someone and they cannot tell it. And that was what the essence of 321 was, was it was a load of people who couldn't do comedy performing comedy sketches and the more i think about it the more i think i want to go and watch it right now <laughs> <laughs> well yeah kids youtube it i'm sure if you put three two one you'll see uh ted, ted rogers yeah twisting with his, his fingers um, doing all something like that his yeah. hand gestures indeed and mrs cool. rogers was a lucky woman <laughs> and um it's just uh, so the other question i, I was <laughs> Oh dear, and you'd win a bin if, yeah, if everything yeah, went wrong. It. You'd it win a, a bin. Just a bin. I used to be really like jealous as a kid because I thought they won the mechanical, actual oh, dusty bin. Yeah, I used to think, "Wow, this is amazing!" It's like a British version of R two D two, but it wasn't. It was an actual, an actual bin. Um, just a bin. Just a bin. Yeah. As we're recording this, um, I'm a celebrity is on. Have you ever mm-hmm. been tempted by these? Um, Things like I'm a celebrity or celebrity Big Brother or any of those things that you never sort of thought about getting and doing something like that, Lucy? God, no, no. I mean, not only can I not sing. I mean, the other one is everyone says, oh, but you'd do Strictly if they asked you. And you do Strictly if they asked you. I totally would not. Not in a million years. I can't dance. I would hate to embarrass myself. And also, I'm a very flawed human being. And I think the problem is on those shows, you, you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm nice. Don't get me wrong. I do <laughs> live a good life, and but I just, I don't know. Yeah, I just think you're so exposed doing those kind of things. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not sure that I'm not a bit of an asshole. And I think the problem <laughs> is, you would find out, wouldn't you? That you go, oh my god, no, it's it ma- magnified a hundred times, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's that's the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I could see you in the jungle. No way, no way, no way. No, too no. many creepy crawlies. <laughs> but I was going to say, it's like the country, isn't it? You're going to yeah. be scared shitless to start yeah. with. <laughs> I'm more scared in Hampshire than I am <laughs> the jungle in Australia. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel there's no need for it. Is there? But I do like watching bits of it. Like, um, Kate Garraway is who I want to win it. They may already have, I mean, you know, I don't know what day we're on or what. You know, oh, this, this this will be coming out just before Christmas, so they'll all have been uh, back so in there in know. back in England. So we would have known by now. Um, um, I haven't watched much of it. Well done, the crankies. Well done, the crankies. I have no idea. I've no idea who's in it. So. <laughs> No, I, no. Love it. I bet the crankies are on standby every year. <laughs> yeah, they just fly yeah. out and have like a month in the in Australia in a really nice hotel. I'd like, I'd like to think that's the case. Just, I'm uh, just waiting for that yeah, call. Aren't I'd we? like to see the parachute jump with both of them strapped to that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I always get a bit um, funny talking about the crankies though, because my, because my husband's so much bigger than me, and we when we got together, we jokingly compared ourselves to the crankies because I'm this tiny lady with a. <laughs> big guy and um and it was funny when we first got together and we were like oh we're like a crankies tribute act ho 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 and the more the crankies age and like i look at them now and i think oh my god that is what we're gonna look like this tiny little wizened old lady <laughs> with this sort of shambolic big man and um it just makes me not got i hope they're not listening and feeling bad <laughs> I've not, you know, I've got nothing against them. It's just that, you know, when you, it's like seeing your parents or something, isn't it? When you yeah. go, oh my God, that I'm going to look like my mum. Mm. 
Um, so it's like that. I feel like they are us twenty years in the future. I've well, just got I've uh, just got the feeling now that the, the crankies have just turned on their Alexa. They've said, Alexa, <laughs> I want to listen to WTAF's new Christmas episode, and they're getting slammed <laughs> by Lucy Poor. Oh, it's then. ruined their Christmas. <laughs> I, I was going to say the, the way to. I'm sorry. <laughs> the way to help yourself out, Lucy, is not wear those school uniforms. Well, <laughs> you see, then though people would know that you weren't them. Indeed. I know, but it's, I just can't quit it. <laughs> <laughs> right, before we carry on now, this is going to be the uh, the pressure part of the podcast now. Oh, okay. We're going to play Kerry or Curtain. Now, I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. Yeah. You need to tell me whether it's Kerry or Curtain. Okay. Okay, now to add more pressure... Jenny scored three out of five on this. Oh, gosh. Amanda scored four out of five on this. Oh, wow. So, you've got well, five. It would be progression, wouldn't it? It would. It would. <laughs> Indeed, it would, it would round off the trilogy perfectly. Here we go. Here's number one. You need to know someone to protect you from the mucklows. You know you need... Hang on, let me start that again, because that was a ter- terrible read of that. that Come was. on. You okay, know... Take, yeah, take take two. You know you need someone to protect you from the mucklows. Yeah, so I think that's Curtin because Kerry's been talking about the mucklows protect each other and then Curtin says, no, you need someone to protect you from the mucklows. Well done. Well done. One <laughs> out of one. Number two. The chat that gets spouted out at Tea Talk, it's just 99% of it unfiltered guff. Oh, God, yes. Okay, well, I remember it's when Kerry goes round to Florence, is it her name? It is Florence. Probably Kerry, then. Probably Kerry says that. That was Curtin. When the vicar asks both of them if if they've got time for it, he said that he can't. No, it's unfiltered guff. Okay, one out of two. Number three. On the way back, we just stood over a bridge on a dual carriageway and we were just pissing on cars. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I don't even remember that at all. Oh, no, I can only do worse now. This is... <laughs> there's no way I could win. And the now pressure's on. This is the problem, you see. This is what happens with quizzing. It is. is you know, once it, once I fall to pieces, I fall to pieces. Um, oh, Curtain. It was no, Curtain. Oh, not too bad there. It was Curtain, because yeah. Kerry replies that with, oh, I'd love to piss on some cars. Uh, which, which episode is that? So that was the vicar's son. Oh, the curtain was out on the on the raz with the vicar's son. So that's oh. two out of three. So here we are, number four. Yeah, but she's in a very dark place at the moment because she just lost her cat, which was very upsetting. Oh, this is. Um, I think it's Kerry talking about Florence again about Tudor the cat. Absolutely well right. Well done. You're three level out with of Jenny. four. You're level with Jenny. This is to be level with Amanda. Oh, God. So, number five. Just wandered off on his own, came back with a homeless guy trying to get me to take him back to my nan's to give him a bath. Yes. No, this is the vicar's son again, and it's Kurt. Boom! Well done, well done, Lucy. That's very So, Lucy and Amanda beat the quizzer, beat the chaser. There you go. You need to um, get me and Amanda back on again. <laughs> For a tie break. I think that's not a bad idea. We could have a, a little... face off, yeah. I've got, I've got all those 400 questions. We could have like a um, going for gold style <laughs> quiz with the, <laughs> with the clock going down. That's right, counting down from, uh, you know, to steal the time Indeed. from each other. Well, if, um, if we happen to be 
you know, invited onto your live show, we could do that yeah. as part of the show. And That's Jenny great. can just be sat in the corner really quiet <laughs> while you and Amanda face off on stage. Oh, see, I should have actually just given that to Amanda because we she suffers so much with Jenny and I Bless. making her read out impossible quizzes and uh, generally kind of making her life a misery <laughs> by getting her to find people who've been on, you know, people who've been on going for gold and find someone who was on the bullseye in a specific year and stuff. So yeah. uh, I'm going to say I'll just give her that. I, she can have the Bless trophy. her. Well done, Amanda. Yes. Well done. She'll be punching the air in ecstasy <laughs> as we speak. Because you managed to speak to, to one of the lords of quizzing, Henry Kelly, in one, one episode, didn't you? That must have been a treat. That was our absolute dream. I mean, we've been really lucky, actually. And I know, you know, you've had some fantastic, amazing guests on your show, and I'm honoured to be in their company. Oh, it is nice you are our Christmas stuff. special. Well, I mean, you know, I'm very, very pleased to be so, if I <laughs> But, yeah, it's great when you just start to, you know, talk to people that you just go, God, I couldn't have dreamt when I was watching Going for Gold obsessively and loving it. And it's one of the things that really did give me my love of quizzing because it it was just on all the time, you know, it was on yeah. every day. And, um, yeah, and he was so nice. I mean, he was so beyond our wildest dreams nice and really um, cheeky and funny and you know admittedly he didn't give a give couldn't give a damn about quizzing only just took it because it was a job and mm. then got really really into it and he was really delighted to talk about it because obviously you know it it was such a big part of everyone's lives and he gets so much affection for it but you know people don't really talk about it all the time now so he was really pleased to talk about it and he was one of our best but also um ben shepherd we had ben shepherd on yeah that was a good episode point, and that was that was a great i mean we've had so many great guests paul ross as well mm. was fantastic and all the people who are behind the scenes and again you know that's what's nice about your podcast as well isn't it is that you've got people from both sides of the camera and then you've got the people who sort of who can tell you about the ins and outs of the production and then you've just got the super fans Indeed. and i always love it when we have people who just have been on quizzes or just love quizzes because yeah it's just really to sort of feel that enthusiasm and to know you're not alone is really lovely isn't it, it absolutely, is, absolutely, absolutely. Is. so um february of next year series three <laughs> of this country will be uh, beginning yeah. will be starting what would you like to see in series three where would you like to see the characters go um i have been so affected by them and i it's a really difficult thing isn't it because obviously on an emotional personal level all i want is goodness and joy and happiness and you know and then on a comedic and dramatic level um because it's sitcom the characters really need to stay exactly where they are and nothing can happen and it needs to be just the same sort of grind so um, I don't know, and I wouldn't like to sort of preempt what they're going to do with them. But I think the beauty of it is that there is still so much that we don't know mm. about them and about their world. And every time a new character appears, they're amazing. And, you know, you sort of immediately want to know more about them. So, um, you know, I just, I'm just really looking forward to whatever they come up with. And I wouldn't dream of trying to second guess it. Mm. That's a great answer. It is really, isn't it? That's a great answer indeed. Um, so what else have you got coming up then, Lucy? Because obviously you're on tour. Um, I am with 
Swindon being the highlight and uh, <laughs> other dates are <laughs> You know, mostly I'll just be thinking about going to Swindon. I'm getting the, you know, getting my uh, my that... show. I'm doing a show that I did at the Edinburgh Festival last year called Be Prepared, which is uh, largely I chose the title because um, my kids had just started uh, in Beavers, which is like the junior wing of scouting, and I just thought it was really funny the fact that they went to an organisation called Beavers. <laughs> and that, is literally the pathetic basis of a show, but it ended up um, being kind of all about scouts and guides and joining in and being prepared and, you know, all that kind of jazz yeah. and me reminiscing about being a brownie. And it also allowed me to dress up as a brownie on the poster, which I thought, oh, this would be really funny. I'll just wear a brownie uniform and I'm, you know, a woman in her 40s dressed as a brownie. That would be hilarious. And then, of course, it came out and I looked at it and I thought, oh, my God, it's like the Crankies again. What I've done. <laughs> You're <laughs> not telling these rumours, are you? I was just going to say, do, do you wear that? Uh, is that part of the, the show? Do you wear that as part of the show? I did, I did make myself a kind of a, a sort of brownie-esque, like a brown dress with badges that I've put on it. Right. And then I saw a picture of myself in it and it looked so awful um, that I then said no, actually. And also, I didn't want it to be too like, oh, my God, I'm dressed up as a brownie and it's all about the brownies. because It's not. A lot of it is about, you know, getting older and about the planet dying and, you know, all sorts of miserable things as well. And you just feel if you're trying to do something that's quite interesting and poignant and you're dressed as a brownie in a brown woolly hat, then it, you look like a bit of a dick, really. So uh, although there are bits where I'm just being an idiot. And um, and the end is is a sort of silly bit of physical clowning, but anyway. But yeah, so I'm doing that on tour, and then we're going to do more fingers on buzzers, and we're doing live. Awesome. And, uh, you know, you've inspired us now. Oh, okay. think we can do some <laughs> mashups with other podcasts <laughs> as well. Um. So yeah, a bit of that, and then bits of radio and stuff. You know. Wonderful. We'll, we will put the um links to the Swindon show and also to the fingers on buzzers that you've got live on the 9th of February in the show notes. So just click on that and grab oh, your really tickets. Kind. That's no Thank problem you. at all. No problem at all. Um, and have a lovely Christmas. Yes. Lucy. Merry Christmas to you, Lucy. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Well, thank you so much for having me. What? And let me know, you know, obviously when it comes out and I'll put it on all the, you know, the lovely people who, as you know, I'm too old and, dodgy to do my own social media so uh, but it's because i basically i used to get in trouble all the time because my agent would say why haven't you publicised this gig and why haven't you and it's like because i just go for days without thinking about twitter or doing it's a 24-hour job all of the social media stuff it is it certainly is well you're very good at it well the thing is when you're somebody that's not as famous enough to have your own person, <laughs> but you are famous enough to have your own person. It's a different world, you see, Lucy. You know, we're not quite there yet. You know, we're not quite your level yet, Lucy. But thank well, you so day, much. When I'm trying to get in touch with you, and you say no, it's not us. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's never going to happen. That's never. We're when always... you're on Celebrity Only Connect, and I'm not, and I'm phoning you up. Oh, what time. a scoop that would be! Don't worry, we will we will FaceTime live you. Uh, from the set, if that oh, that's never yeah. going to happen, you're going to be the next one on there if they do a celebrity one without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> um, thank you, Lucy, for being our special Christmas guest. It's been wonderful to talk to you. It really it's has been awesome. Thank you. It's been an absolute gift for me. Oh. 
Christmas. I bet you say that to all the podcasts that you're on. I do at Christmas, yeah. Uh, Just bear with us a second. You'd be my exciting. (laughs) Oh, very good. You were our Christmas cracker. Uh, Bear with us a second, Lucy, while Neil goes. This is your big moment. This is the last one of the year, Neil. So come on. Make it very festive. Play some uh, jingle bells in the background. So you can find us on all the social medias under WTAF This Country. Thank you. And. Oh, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a long bell. That was, that oh, was dear me, it? that was loud. Extended one. And you can email us at wtafthiscountry at hotmail dot com. and you can go to our website at wtafpodcast.com. There you well go. Well done. We come it. and subscribe to the podcast and uh, all that other gubbins. Uh, thank you, Lucy. Have a lovely, lovely Christmas. Yes, thank you, Lucy. Merry Christmas and a happy New Year. Merry Christmas! Bye! <laughs> Bye! Uh, and thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And go and get stuffed, you fuckers. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? As promised, here's a sneak preview of the This Country book as read by Kerry and Curtin. It's available at Amazon or Good Bookshops and also on all your audio devices. Go and buy it now. Len Spooky Village Tales by Len Clifton Read by Kerry and Curtin Mucklow The Vanishing Tour Guide This ghostly tale's been heard from a few people over the recent years, and it will send shivers down your spine. Our village, being nestled deep in the soft bosom of the Cotswold countryside, is a magnet for tourists from all over the globe. There have been many a tale of Japanese tourists being greeted off the coach in a marketplace by a gentleman wearing a tall stovepipe hat with a wide brim who shouts in an authoritative manner, This way! This way! The Japanese tourists follow him for up to 12 miles deep into the countryside, where the tour guide is known to drop to his knees, put his head in his hands and say, Shit! I don't know where the fuck we are! Before vanishing into thin air. The chap in the top hat fits the description of a local tour guide known by the name of Ernie Garlic whose trademark was wearing a tall stovepipe top hat with a wide brim. Tragically, Ernie took his own life in 1987 when he read a cruel review of one of his tours in the Cotswold Life magazine. The poor fellow just weren't naturally blessed with the directional skills needed of a tour guide and was even known to get lost in his very own street. He suffered from a disorder called topographical agnosia, which causes a person to have absolutely zero sense of direction. It's a comfort, however, to know that Ernie is still doing what he loves beyond the grave and guiding tourists into the ass end of nowhere. God bless you, Ernie, you half-wit. Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. 
Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The top ten of anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.